you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com events. It's Film Week on L.A. is 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. We turn our attention now to the best of holiday films and just out a revised and expanded edition of TCM's Christmas in the Movies. The book uh, written by Jeremy Arnold, full of beautiful color photographs of some of these classic films and others far more obscure. But let's begin by getting in the mood, listening to this scene from the classic uh, film. It's a wonderful life. George Bailey talking to Mary Atch Bailey about what she wants from him. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Then what? Well, then you could swallow it and it all dissolves, see? And the moonbeams that shoot out of your fingers and your toes and the ends of your hair. Am I talking too much? Yes. Why don't you kiss her instead of talking to death? <laughs> Such a classic scene from that great film. It's a wonderful life. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining us to talk about that film, of course, one of our most enduring classics shown on television every year. But what attracted you to doing the book and exposing us to some of the lesser-known holiday films? First, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I think what attracted me to the lesser-known films was really in the way that doing this book was an exploration for me to answer the question, what is a Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like every year we we love to debate whether certain films are or aren't yeah, like Christmas Die Hard. movies. Is Die Hard a Christmas film? Yes. And yes. Oh, yes. It's one of the best. Uh, <laughs> but I think that those debates are really over competing definitions of the term. Everyone defines Christmas movie differently because Christmas movies were not historically a genre. And, you know, no one in the 40s ever said, I'm making a Christmas movie. The label came (laughs) later. uh, And so it it has arguably become sort of a genre. Now studios are making, quote unquote, Christmas movies. But um, at the time, that wasn't so. And yet there are all these classic films that incorporate Christmas to pretty large degrees. And so the bottom line is the definition I came up with was any movie of any genre in which some aspect of the holiday season plays a meaningful role in the storytelling. Not just incidental, but is meaningful central part of the film. Yeah, and just not not just a backdrop. And it doesn't mean the movie has to be quote unquote about Christmas. It has to have has to be tied directly, linked to some recognized meaning of the season. And the season can mean many different things from joy and family togetherness and positive transformation, love and compassion, but it can also mean loneliness and cynicism, alienation, uh, maybe a disgust with the commercialism or the saccharine nature of the season. I think we all experience all of those things to some degree, 
Uh, and so it's uh, all of those are fodder for all sorts of Christmas movies. Yeah, Jeremy, one of the things I find interesting is that you know some of these films, when they were initially released, um, it's Wonderful Life, a prime example, the one we're going to hear a clip from uh, in a moment, were nowhere near the phenomenons that they became after being exposed to television viewers. I want to ask you about that, but let's listen to this classic scene from A Christmas Story. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? My mind had gone blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? With unconscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. What was I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. The trip to Santa not ending as uh, as he wanted. But, you know, that's another example, Jeremy, of a film that's, you know, it's played, I think, on uh, uh, TBS, isn't it, all day, 24 hours around Christmas. So what's led some of these films to being now you know, considered classics when they weren't upon release? Well, I really think that television... It might be the genesis of the term Christmas movie because when It's Wonderful Life was in the public domain for 20 years or so in the 70s and 80s, it was on every local television station in every city across the country from Thanksgiving to Christmas practically 24-7. At least that's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And that is how the movie got rediscovered really and became linked to viewing every year during the holiday season. And I think that helped that very concept sort of come into being. The same thing happened with A Christmas Story, which uh, the year it opened, it opened around Thanksgiving, and it was pretty much out of theaters by Christmas. It had been elbowed aside by bigger films, didn't do particularly well theatrically. But then, years later, it was rediscovered on, on television, and now it became a juggernaut, like It's Wonderful Life. Tell us about Miracle on Main Street, this film not well-known, from 1939, obviously a great year for American film, but what stands out on Miracle on Main Street? Well, this is one of the most obscure films in the book, and I'm very happy to say that Turner Classic Movies will be broadcasting it for the very first time this December, so I'm excited that it will be seen. Uh, This is a Poverty Row B-movie, uh, made at Grand National Films, which went <laughs> went out of business before the film was even released, and the producer had to uh, entice Columbia to step in and release it. Uh, the producer was Jack Skirball, who later became a very prominent philanthropist. Uh, and the story is basically about a stripper and her shady husband in L.A. who try and fleece a an undercover policeman on Christmas Eve. They get caught. She goes on the run. She takes refuge in a church, finds an abandoned baby. And the the film is then about her uh, transforming uh, and becoming a better person as she decides to keep the baby and raise it. And then that leads to all sorts of other plot issues. But the the point is that the, the movie very clearly links Christmas time to the idea that she could transform into a better person, into a better version of herself, you know, which I call the Scrooge-like effect, because Scrooge is the ultimate of that, and really the original example of that. But almost every Christmas movie has at least one Scrooge-like transformation in it. 
We're talking about uh, Jeremy's new book, Christmas in the Movies, now revised and expanded. 35 films that are included in Jeremy Arnold's book, uh, done in conjunction with Turner Classic Movies. It's got all those uh, classic Christmas films, but some other gems that you might not be familiar with, such as Miracle on Main Street from 1939. Tell us about The Cheaters from 1945. Well, this is another B-movie from uh, uh, Republic Studios. Now, this is a rather unusual film for them because, first of all, it's it's about an hour and a half, which is long for a Republic B. Uh, and it was made on a higher budget than usual. It was made to celebrate the studio's 10th anniversary. But it's a cast entirely of character actors, no major stars. And this is about an entire family of Scrooges <laughs> or Grinches, and they all transform after trying to basically uh, uh, chisel the, the, this uh, this young actress who has been named as the person to inherit the estate of their relative, they try and keep this from her so they can inherit the money themselves. And as the film goes on, they start to soften and transform. And uh, they, they bring in a washed-up actor, a sort of a charity case, and he helps them see the error of their ways. So what's really interesting about this film is that uh, towards the end, this washed-up actor they've taken in, played by Joseph Schildkraut, he, in order to teach them a lesson, to teach them the error of their ways, he basically recounts the Dickens story of A Christmas Carol. Uh, he, He doesn't read it. He just tells them the story of what it is. And that has almost the same effect as watching or reading A Christmas Carol in the world of this movie. Uh, It really shows the power of Dickens to, as I say, transform characters. We're talking about the film The Cheaters from 1945, uh, the film from Republic Pictures. Is this one, do you know, that's in Turner uh, Classic Movies archives? Yes, and it will also be shown this year. It's a little hard to find otherwise, but it's out there. All right. We'll continue our conversation with Jeremy Arnold, uh, author of the newly revised and expanded edition of TCM Christmas in the Movies, 35 classics to celebrate the season. When we come back, we'll hear about some of these other gems that Jeremy identifies that we probably haven't heard of before. How is Trail of Robin Hood related to Christmas? We'll find out about that. The Holly and the Ivy, Cash on Demand, and others. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3, back in one minute. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.
It's Film Week on LA is 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. We thought this was the perfect week to talk holiday films. And joining us is Jeremy Arnold, author of the newly revised and expanded TCM Christmas in the Movies, 35 classics to celebrate this season. Jeremy, let, let's talk about uh, film noir. We don't think of the genres necessarily being Christmas compatible, but you have a gem in the genre that is Christmas-centric. I do. Uh, usually when Christmas pops up in a film noir, it's simply for ironic or tonal counterpoint. But there's one film that I consider to be a true Christmas movie and a true film noir, and that is uh, a rather underknown 1961 independently made film called Blast of Silence. Now, the reason this is uh, this qualifies as a Christmas movie, it's, it's about an assassin who's sent, uh, sent to New York over Christmas time and has to carry out a hit right after Christmas Day. And the whole, it's really a character study. The film builds this portrait of a very uh, alienated, weary man, very strong influence on Taxi Driver and Scorsese, by the way. Scorsese's often cited this film as an influence. Um, but what it does is the film totally embraces these negative, cynical aspects of the season, the cynical meaning of the season. There's a voiceover in the second person read by Lionel Stander, which is full of lines like, Christmas gives you the creeps. Uh, Christmas is a time for all the suckers. You, you hate Christmas. This is the voice that this character hears inside well, I'm his hearing head. Lionel Stander's voice. <laughs> so for those who are not familiar with him from films, he's a regular on Heart to Heart, the TV series. Yes. He's got very distinct voice. Very distinct. He was in a lot of Frank Capra movies, too, as a character actor. Uh, and so... You know, this film, it has one of the bleakest, most pessimistic endings in all of film noir. And even in the last minute or so of the film, the voiceover has another reference to Christmas, which just illustrates how the film uses the season and the ideas of the season in a very conscious way to build character and story, just in a negative way, in a cynical way. And uh, that's unusual. The only other movie that mines similar territory is Bad Santa, but that but that's a black comedy. It's yeah. not a film noir, so it takes it to comic extremes. This one just takes it to dark, dramatic extremes. Jeremy, let's talk about some of the other films. Beyond Tomorrow from 1940. Beyond Tomorrow is another film. It's been in the public domain for many years, and it, so it's easy to find uh, online. So it'll be on TCM as well. And this is a really touching story about... Uh, essentially two young souls in New York City who are brought together on Christmas Eve when three elderly men who are having Christmas together and are lonely because all their friends have died, they basically they, they throw their wallets out onto the street with a $10 <laughs> bill and their, their address, hoping that good souls will return the wallets and then have Christmas dinner with them. Uh, and because this is a Hollywood movie, <laughs> a, a young, attractive male and a young, attractive female return two of the wallets and they fall in love. Then the men die in a plane crash and they continue to guide these young lovers as spirits. Uh, and the film actually goes into the afterlife and has some pretty interesting effects showing these ghosts. Uh, it's, it's a little far-fetched. It, was, it got some critical drubbing at the time for that reason, but... I think it it holds up. I I think Christmas movies uh, can get away with supernatural elements like ghosts and, you know, gremlins or whatever it may be. Of course, A Christmas Carol is full of ghosts. Uh, 
there's something about the season that I think allows us to to buy that a little more easily. Beyond tomorrow, uh, you mentioned about the spirit element of it, and Maria Ospinskaya uh, plays uh, a madam uh, a seer in the film, who, of course, she played roles like that and so many others, including the Wolfman, and yep. was, an, was a noted acting teacher as as well. So, uh, so many of these films that you're mentioning have wonderful character actor casts. So in, in The Bishop's Wife, for example, there's a character played by Gladys Cooper, who is extremely Grinch-like, and she, uh, there's a really charming scene where, where Cary Grant uh, plays the harp in her living room and basically helps her transform into a softer person, and then that allows the, the bishop to build his cathedral. It's all tied into that. There's also a scene in It Happened on Fifth Avenue where uh, a real character actor named Ed Brophy, who was known for countless comedy roles and hundreds of comedies and gangster films in the 30s and 40s. He plays a cop who comes into this mansion that has been uh, taken over by a bunch of homeless people uh, while the owner is is away for the winter. And, of course, he's he, the first thing he wants to do is throw them out, toss them out, evict them. And they convince him to just let them enjoy their Christmas there. And so there, it's just a brief little scene, but he softens because of Christmas, and it's in a comic, charming, poignant way. We're talking with Jeremy Arnold, author of the TCM book Christmas in the Movies. It's revised and expanded from the edition that was out a few years ago, 35 films, and many of them that Jeremy was not able to include the first time around are included in this expanded edition. And you'll find uh, the old favorites, the ones that we love, um, Miracle on 34th Street, um, Three Godfathers, of course, Scrooge, the 1951 version uh, of A Christmas Carol, White Christmas is here, um, A Christmas Story, but others that you don't necessarily know about that are even hard-to-find films, which he's uh, shared with us uh, so far. Uh, the Lion in Winter, great film, incredible acting in that 1968 film. I had thought of that as a Christmas film. I hadn't either before I started researching the book. And I think it is a very strong Christmas film because it's actually the most common type of Christmas movie in a way. It's about the Christmas time gathering of a dysfunctional family. And that is the single most common theme of Christmas movies. It just so happens that it's the 12th century. The family is the royal family. Uh, the home is a castle in France. And when they talk about how they want to kill each other, unlike the rest of us, they mean it literally. <laughs> they actually could. And so it, it takes this, and it's full of references to Christmas time. It even has a Christmas tree and presents being exchanged, which is ahistorical to the year 1183 in France that would not have happened then. But uh, it, it just helps make it a more modern film, really. The Apartment you have is a Christmas film as well. Yes. Uh, this is another film that sort of uses Christmas in its cynical, lonely uh, guise. Uh, you know, loneliness is a big part of The Apartment. Uh, Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine, you really get the sense that they're two lonely souls in a really... Uh, inhospitable, almost inhumane environment of New York in 1960. And in the course of the film, they find each other and finally are honest with each other and open up and they end up together. And on Christmas Eve, though, there's a scene where Shirley MacLaine tries to commit suicide 
and Jack Lemmon saves her. Mm-hmm. And that is the point at which their relationship turns around and starts to really develop into something. And, you know, it's interesting. I found that uh, suicide pops up quite a bit in Christmas films. There are four films that I know of that have either attempted or contemplated suicide. And I think that speaks to, again, this idea that Christmas can be a lonely, despairing yeah. time. And what is the ultimate dramatic end of that? Well, it's probably suicide. So as a dramatist's tool, it's it's useful to explore the theme of loneliness, if that's what it is in the film. And uh, the apartment certainly does that. Jeremy, thank you for joining us and talking about your book. We appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. It's TCM's Christmas in the Movies, revised and expanded up to 35 Christmas-themed films. Jeremy Arnold, our guest, thank you so much for joining us for Film Week on LAist 89.3. We'll talk with you again next week. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events.